0: People suffering from long COVID can have symptoms ranging from pulmonary symptoms.
1: Folks will sort of point to the center of their chest and say, I feel like I can't take
0: a full breath in to neurological and neuropsychological symptoms.
2: We see difficulty with thinking or concentrating, which a lot of people refer to as brain fog. Within that, we see problems with memory, attention.
0: To cardiovascular symptoms.
2: Most prominent of these will include increased
3: heart rate and palpitations, increased amount of shortness of breath, as well as increase in the rate of chest pains Patients experience.
0: And make no mistake,
3: indeed, their symptoms are real.
0: Discover the long and short on long COVID inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Belmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing 8 institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Wisconsin, Fratert Hospital, Versity, Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. Most of us have experienced the COVID-19 virus, and while for many of us it was a mild short-lived inconvenience, for others, COVID is much more than that, with long-lasting, ongoing symptoms. So, what is long COVID, and what are the after-effects those with it are experiencing? We asked a few experts, beginning with Dr. Mark Barish, Assistant Professor, Department of Medicine, Division of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine at the Medical College of Wisconsin, who begins by sharing a general definition of what long COVID is.
1: The definition remains sort of in flux and it's both very vague and somewhat specific at the same time. But really, it describes a range, pretty much head to toe, of new, recurrent, ongoing symptoms that people can develop after having been infected with COVID-19. And these symptoms can last, and we really are not sure where that endpoint is.
0: Long COVID isn't an infectious disease in and of itself, but a post-infectious syndrome.
1: acknowledge the fact that long COVID represents essentially a post-viral syndrome, which is a syndrome of various symptoms that have occurred after a viral infection. In general, post-viral symptoms, similar to overlap COVID, are not new, though other mechanisms are implicated.
0: Who came up with the term long COVID? Well, we did. Sort of.
1: (laughs) The actual term, long COVID, as far as we can tell, came to be from the internet. This was people who were experiencing weird and new symptoms after having been infected with COVID who created this term describing these symptoms.
0: But since these colloquial roots, it's taken on different names from the medical community.
1: Common ones are post-COVID syndrome or post-acute sequelae of COVID-19 or PASC, P-A-S-C, created by CDC and NIH and some of these other organizations.
0: Many of us experienced the acute COVID-19 virus, which lasted...
1: For days to a week or maybe up to two weeks. In general, for all comers, this is something that will last that long.
0: How long does it need to last before it's considered long COVID?
1: infection are indeed symptoms that linger. In general, we sort of loosely define long COVID as symptoms that are present from 4 to 12 weeks after the onset of your acute illness, so between one and three months.
0: We know that anyone can get acute COVID, but who is susceptible for them getting long COVID?
1: As far as we can tell, truly anyone has the possibility of developing prolonged symptoms after COVID.
0: Does a person need to have particularly severe acute COVID-19 for it to develop into long COVID?
1: They don't. When we look at the literature that has been published, We tend to see this more common in women. We tend to see this a bit more common in younger folks. We do think that things like obesity or certain other health issues pre-existing COVID may predispose folks to getting this. But in terms of the severity of illness, the answer is probably no.
0: Although he does add.
1: There is a subset of people who were hospitalized and who had very severe disease. They may have had a very bad pneumonia. They may have been in an ICU. They may have required intubation and were placed on the ventilator, which also seem to experience a very severe set of long-lasting symptoms. Although it also brings up the possibility of post intensive care syndrome or PICS, P-I-C-S.
0: And considering many symptoms of PICS overlap with long COVID symptoms.
1: It's a little bit tougher for us to parse out. Do these really represent completely separate syndromes or is there overlap? And maybe some of the folks we're calling long COVID after prolonged hospitalization just have post-intensive care syndrome. Although it kind of doesn't matter, right? Because the symptoms are still there
0: and we still need to work on deciphering what to do about them. Do people who haven't been vaccinated for COVID-19 have higher risk for developing long COVID?
1: We don't know. The data in general is not very robust, but my personal feelings suggest that probably it will. I mean, for what it's worth, the number of patients that we are seeing in general has dropped precipitously. And whether that's related to the change in variants and how they affect this or whether it relates to uptake of vaccinations, I'm not sure. But the numbers have gone down quite a bit.
0: How can we mitigate our risk for getting long COVID? The easy answer is...
1: Don't get sick, right? That's also easier said than done because viruses and COVID included oftentimes doesn't take that much exposure. And we know that some people can be asymptomatic but still be infectious to others. And so the best treatment is no treatment at all, which is prevention. So it's standard and common things that we've been preaching since the beginning of this
0: pandemic. You know, wash your hands, wear a mask. The all-important question, how long can long COVID last?
1: We're still learning because we don't really know exactly how long is too long. What I will tell you is that the vast majority of people do recover. Whether that takes a month or several months, people have likely had their symptoms resolved and are back to feeling the way that they did before.
0: But for some, it's a more prolonged course, a year or two or more
1: and that prolonged course is very very different for everyone for some people the symptoms are really severe and they stay that way for some people most of the symptoms melt away and they're left with mild or barely noticeable symptoms and everything in between and you know that can be very frustrating obviously for those people
0: what are common symptoms of long covid Since Dr. Barish is a pulmonologist, let's first look at patients with respiratory-related symptoms. I'll
1: kind of break it up into two major groups. Those that were either hospitalized or had an actual infection of the lung tissue itself, and then the folks that didn't have any of those things.
0: So the smaller first group were hospitalized.
1: Pneumonia, or may have been in an intensive care unit or on a ventilator, they may suffer from breathing problems that are surrogates of having had a very severe infection in their lung. And they may also suffer from a lot of issues, COVID related or unrelated, akin to the post intensive care syndrome that we discussed.
0: Whereas the larger second group weren't hospitalized or have pneumonia, but
1: they also have lasting respiratory problems, but many of these folks experience breathlessness or what we call exercise intolerance. Sensations of chest tightness or wheezing or cough, but the ways that we test for these things, they all come up normal. And that doesn't mean that the symptoms aren't real. It just means they're coming from somewhere these tests are not testing for.
0: This profound sensation of breathlessness appears most common, but there are other respiratory symptoms.
1: of their chest and say, I feel like I can't take a full breath in. Cough is definitely one that we see, chest pain and chest pressure. Folks oftentimes can describe sensations of palpitations, and even though it's not exactly the lungs, the heart is intrinsic to how the lungs operate.
0: We asked Dr. Barish, how debilitating can the respiratory symptoms be?
1: Many of the folks that I see in clinic are young and relatively previously healthy folks. So it's debilitating. It's anxiety provoking. Patients say, my family don't believe me. My friends say, suck it up. They are told when it's, quote, all in their head.
0: But it's very real, as is another byproduct of the breathlessness.
1: A majority of patients will experience some degree of fatigue they develop this really profound exhaustion, much, much more than generally we're used to after exerting ourselves. That exhaustion can be onset within minutes or hours and can last hours to days.
0: As far as treatments.
1: A lot of my focus, it's on the fatigue part of this. I preach guidelines from the physical medicine and rehab society. The concept is called sub-maximal exertion, in other words, classic no pain, no gain, may not work. And so we go through identifying submaximal exertion. Other fatigue management principles, I like the four P approach for energy conservation. So the P's are planning, pacing, prioritizing, and positioning to try to conserve energy and not find themselves really exhausted.
0: Next, we get expert insights on the neurological and neuropsychological impacts of long covid from Dr. Sarah Swanson, Chief and Professor, Department of Neurology, Division of Neuropsychology at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Swanson recalls,
2: In about April of 2020, we started hearing anecdotal reports from people not fully recovering from infection with COVID. Individuals who reported symptoms persisting for weeks or even months after the acute phase.
0: Soon recognized as post-acute or long COVID which she notes many experts don't necessarily consider one condition.
2: But many potentially overlapping entities with different biological causes and different outcomes.
0: And it's relatively common.
2: One in five COVID survivors between the ages of 18 and 64 years and one in four who are 65 and older will have a health condition that might be related to their previous COVID illness. So it's fairly common.
0: As a neuropsychologist... Dr. Swanson has expert insights on neurological and neuropsychological related issues associated with long COVID. The
2: number one symptom we're seeing is fatigue, and while that's not specifically a neurocognitive symptom, it can't be underestimated because people with severe fatigue have lost their energy, their zest for life, their ability to engage in life, and it really can color everything. So fatigue is probably the number one complaint.
0: Then, as far as cognitive symptoms associated with long COVID.
2: We see difficulty with thinking or concentrating, which a lot of people refer to as brain fog, kind of a general term. Within that, we see problems with memory, attention, word finding, or what we call executive functioning, which includes things like your ability to multitask, plan, be organized.
0: There are other long COVID symptoms that may have neurological roots including
2: headaches, sleep problems, dizziness. Some people have a pins and needles feeling or muscle twitching. And then the other one is persistent loss of smell and taste.
0: Also seen frequently among some long COVID patients, depression and anxiety.
2: It's possible the disease itself is causing some change that leads to depression and anxiety. But we also have to consider the other reasons that mood can drop or anxiety can increase.
0: For instance, During the pandemic.
2: We were told to quarantine and not leave the house for weeks on end. People were spending time alone and they weren't exercising. They weren't seeing people. And one of your buffers for depression is socialization and social interaction. So people were socially isolated. We saw other people as vectors for disease or even death.
0: Thereby leading some people into depression.
2: With the psychological stressors of having been isolated or losing your energy and getting deconditioned so you're no longer active, those things can affect mood. And for many of them, that was a loss of their natural antidepressant.
0: And for people with a predisposition towards social anxiety,
2: leaving our houses we were doing our work and socializing virtually and so for those people with social anxiety that seemed to have an uptick they may have had to push themselves a little bit to be social but then after this it was even harder for some people so we have to sort out what are influences on their cognitive performances coming from depression and anxiety and fatigue as well
0: What's the primary mechanism for neurological and neuropsychological-related post-COVID symptoms?
2: COVID binds with this certain receptor called ACE2, and that receptor allows the virus entry. Those receptors are expressed in high quantity in the lungs, in the body, in the brain,
0: With ACE2 receptors in multiple organs, Dr. Swanson says hypoxia, a state of insufficient oxygen levels in body tissues, is likely the key mechanism.
2: Hypoxia seems to be one of the main mechanisms for the neurologic. So if people can't breathe they have respiratory distress, they're not getting enough oxygen in their blood or to their brain, that would be a possible mechanism for neurologic or cognitive changes.
0: In our community, what options are available for evaluation of neurological long COVID symptoms?
2: MCW started a multidisciplinary post-COVID clinic early in the pandemic with a goal of getting rapid access to healthcare for individuals with long COVID. And the neuropsychological testing for those with cognitive concerns can be really helpful in trying to determine what specific cognitive issues there are because that can help us direct the treatment planning.
0: We'll learn more about this post-COVID clinic later. Speaking of treatments, what are common treatments for neurological and neuropsychological symptoms of long COVID?
2: If a person is really deconditioned from their fatigue and they've lost a lot of strength, physical therapy would be an obvious solution. ENT has some olfactory treatments for those who have lost their sense of smell. Cases where we see people who have an attentional disorder for a short term, they can have some improvement in attention and fatigue using a mild stimulant. Antidepressants and exercise are the most effective treatments for fatigue and deconditioning. And they also have a positive benefit for mood.
0: What about anxiety or depression brought on by dealing with long COVID?
2: Counseling is helpful. And we even see people with PTSD who had a very severe course of COVID and may have some post-trauma symptoms and they can benefit from counseling as well.
0: What does the latest data indicate about long COVID?
2: There was a great survey called the Pulse Survey that came out from the Census Bureau and the National Center for Health Statistics earlier this year, and they found that the percentage of people reporting long COVID is declining. So in 2022, 19% of people who had COVID were reporting long COVID, and that number declined to 11% in 2023.
0: And more positive news from that survey.
2: They asked people who had long COVID at any point, and more than half of them were reporting that their symptoms had resolved. So many people are having resolution of long COVID symptoms within a year. So that's a really promising and hopeful thing.
0: For both long COVID patients and the doctors who treat them, because...
2: the pandemic when people came in with long COVID, we had nothing that we could really tell them because we just didn't have the data. We didn't have enough passage of time to know what this course was going to be. So this was a promising survey.
0: So while neurological and neuropsychological setbacks can be challenging.
2: Cognitive difficulties from long COVID tend to resolve over time. It's really important to keep moving, to get your strength back, to gradually increase exercise and engagement in activities, even if it's hard or even if it's baby steps. And for some individuals, treating depression that's going along with the long COVID can help improve all the symptoms as well.
0: And for anyone who's battling symptoms of long COVID...
2: Don't suffer alone. Seek treatment, seek evaluation, stay hopeful that there is a good prognosis for improvement, and keep moving forward, overcoming the fatigue.
0: What about long COVID symptoms related to the cardiovascular system? Let's find out. From Dr. Abhinav Sharma, assistant professor... Department of Medicine, Division of Cardiology at the Medical College of Wisconsin. We asked Dr. Sharma, is long COVID indeed causing heart
3: problems? Yes that long COVID is causing an increased amount of heart problems. There have been also studies in this regard and certainly be an increased signal from both a symptomatic standpoint and from the standpoint of follow-up in terms of actually diagnosing specific disease points that there is increased rates of heart problems in patients who have long COVID.
0: Among long COVID patients, how common are cardiovascular symptoms?
3: When we At the entire set of symptoms that patients who have long COVID present with, cardiovascular-related symptoms appear to be the third most common set of symptoms. After pulmonary symptoms and symptoms related to neuropsychiatric disorders and mental health disorders, cardiovascular-related symptoms are the third most common set of symptoms.
0: What are some cardiovascular symptoms that continue or develop after a person's acute COVID-19 infection?
3: these will include symptoms related to increased heart rate and palpitations, but also include increased amount of shortness of breath, especially with activities, as well as lower, but not an insignificant increase in the rate of chest pains and stuff that patients experience. So those are the most common cardiovascular-related symptoms.
0: But he adds these symptoms could have various causes, even non-cardiac-related causes.
3: These sometimes could be Cardiac causes of these symptoms, which appear like cardiac symptoms, yet in other situations, these could be, in fact, actual cardiovascular causes of the same symptoms. And further investigations, as in
0: an appropriate, helps us out which is what. How debilitating can cardiovascular long COVID symptoms be?
3: Fortunately, most patients who have long COVID and cardiovascular symptoms will not have debilitating symptoms.
0: However, some aren't so fortunate.
3: Especially those who have symptoms related to fatigue, shortness of breath, and symptoms related to changes in heart rates and blood pressure. Especially postural changes that cause either increased sensation of heartbeat or palpitations. These particular symptoms can be particularly debilitating. These patients can clearly see a change in their lifestyle and their functional capacity, and that becomes very debilitating for them, both from a physical standpoint and from a mental health standpoint.
0: And heart-related long COVID symptoms can lead to other health challenges.
3: These cardiovascular symptoms, can create a vicious cycle of less activity, exercise intolerance, and the less we exercise, the less healthier our cardiovascular system is and the worse patients do on a long-term basis. So it becomes a vicious cycle of less cardiovascular exercise promoting obesity and other sedentary lifestyle-related issues, and therefore more cardiovascular comorbidities in the future.
0: Plus, there's more.
3: Also causes stress-related disorders, mental health disorders, especially depression, has been independently associated with an increased or worse outcomes in patients with heart disease. So all of this becomes interrelated at some point in those patients who have seen a significant decline in their functional capacity due to development of long COVID symptoms and cardiovascular symptoms.
0: Who's most susceptible for heart-related after-effects of long COVID?
3: The data related to who Experiences Long COVID, heart-related symptoms is still evolving, but what we know for sure is that those patients who have had a severe COVID-related initial manifestation are the patients who are more likely to develop prolonged and severe long COVID cardiovascular-related symptoms. More specifically individuals and those with prior cardiovascular diseases as well as women in their 40s to 60s, when they develop acute covid they may
0: end up getting more severe and more debilitating long covid symptoms as far as treatments there are pharmacological treatments
3: we can use medicines and medicines such as ibabridine and flutrocortisone. And all these medicines are either controlling the heart rate, which has gone up inappropriately in some of these patients, or in controlling blood pressure responses to postural changes as they stand from a sitting position or a lying down position, whereby they become dizzy. So these are targeted interventions in these individuals.
0: And non-pharmacological treatments.
3: have increased heart rate and decreased blood pressure, causing dizziness and lightheadedness. These symptoms definitely can be addressed with non-pharmacological methods, such as increasing salt intake, trying compression stockings, keeping well hydrated, and exercise training programs that are monitored and supervised.
0: While treatable, managing symptoms can still be challenging
3: months of the long COVID manifestations could be challenging. We know that one of the more common manifestations of long COVID is an entity called POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, where the heart rate goes up when a patient is standing or moving around. This is a particularly difficult problem to address.
0: But even postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, or POTS.
3: Tends to become less severe over time. And we want to at least believe that that's true for long COVID-related POTS. We don't know that as of yet, but it is certainly true that in the first few months, it could be really challenging to manage these patients.
0: Still, with the right integrated treatment approach.
3: Listening to the patient's concerns, being able to address them with a close follow-up and the constant support helps to alleviate not just the physical manifestations of the disease, but also the psychological components of the disease where patients feel that they're being taken care of and that this is likely a temporary phase which we manage appropriately thereafter.
0: Are heart-related symptoms of long COVID reversible?
3: reversible as long as we identify the cause of these symptoms. And thankfully, with all kinds of diagnostic testing, blood tests, ECGs, and more advanced testing, we are able to hone down on entities that we can treat and reverse and offer patients symptomatic relief.
0: Although he recognizes more research is needed.
3: In terms of longer, long COVID patients. We don't have a lot of data as to overall outcomes. There's a lot of studies with a focus on cardiovascular impacts in patients with long COVID, comparing them to patients without known COVID infections. So we'll have more data to come by in the future, but what we have so far probably applies to patients
0: in the first year or so after COVID infection. Suffice to say, there's a lot yet to be discovered
3: we are limited in the quality of the data and therefore it is not very easy for us to say with certainty we know everything about COVID. This also pertains to understanding what the underlying biological mechanisms and molecular mechanisms are and these again will become more clear as time passes.
0: Dr. Sharma has a couple of important takeaways.
3: Our focus should be first on preventing long COVID. The more severe the manifestations of COVID are initially, the higher the likelihood of long COVID is. And the best way to prevent COVID initially is vaccination and prevention. So that's number one. And... Number two. There is a whole community of physicians sensitive to various aspects of long COVID, and we are ready and here to help you, willing to listen to your symptoms, to ascertain the exact cause of your symptoms. And most of these symptoms we are able to address using a multidisciplinary health approach.
0: Finally, Dr. Mark Barish tells us about the post-COVID multi-specialty clinic at Frederick and the Medical College of Wisconsin.
1: The need was very simple. We recognized more and more people were experiencing this multitude of symptoms after being infected with COVID.
0: And in recognizing this, claiming...
1: Our responsibility to provide a medical home for these patients to listen, learn from them and acknowledge that indeed their symptoms are real.
0: The post-COVID multi-specialty clinic consists of
1: pretty much every subspecialty provider available to patients, depending on the types of symptoms they're experiencing because symptoms are quite variable.
0: If you have long COVID symptoms, ask your doctor for a referral.
1: Primary care doctors, although other subspecialists can also refer patients. And so we've created an order set in the electronic medical record where essentially any physician can enter
0: the order. And while long COVID may have you feeling a bit lost, believe that you will find help.
1: Patients come with a deep sense of feeling unwell but also frustrated because people around them including many medical providers don't acknowledge the fact that you know your symptoms are real i may not be able to tell you exactly why they're happening but your symptoms are real
0: also for real we're all out of time for this edition of ctsi discovery radio as always thanks to each of our guests for appearing on today's show dr mark Barish dr sarah swanson and dr abhinav sharma i hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show and i'm doubly hopeful you'll join us again next time ctsi discovery radio airs the third friday of every month make an appointment on your calendar and join us for each episode on behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer, wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to the podcast of this or any of our shows on demand, please visit our website at ctsi.mcw.edu. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.